Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox, and I'd like to welcome you to a special edition of Popcorn and Compliance. As you know from prior episodes, Megan Doherty, co-founder of One Stone Creative, and I are huge MCU fans. So we've decided to do the MCU movie oeuvre. That's right. We're going to do all of the MCU movies in this special podcast series. Over the series, we will take a look at the storylines, some of the cookies and other cool things. We'll describe the great action scenes from each um, episode, and then we'll take a look at issues raised by each episode. It's going to be a lot of fun. We will take things from the societal angle, from the social justice angle, from the MCU angle, and perhaps even from the compliance angle. But if you're an MCU fan or you're a compliance fan, I know you'll enjoy in this edition, we take up an episode which doesn't get a lot of love, but upon rewatching, I found a lot to enjoy. Iron Man 2. This podcast is a special production of the Compliance Podcast Network. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox, and I'm back again with Megan Doherty with our latest movie challenge. We're going to review the entire MCU on popcorn and compliance. Why? Well, because it's there. And we are uber MCU <laughs> geeks. Uh, we may have some other geeks out there. Uh, I mean, actually guests or uh, listeners who might want to join us. So if you're an MCU fan, let me know. We will review the films as they appear in chronological order in the MCU timeline, not by release date. So today we continue with Iron Man 2. I'm Tom Fox, your co-host and founder of the Compliance Podcast Network. And I'm Megan Doherty, co-founder of One Stone Creative. Uh, so, Tom, let's get started. What did you think of Iron Man 2? So, when I first saw this movie, um, I did not think very much of it. Uh, first of all, I really detest almost everything Mickey Rourke is in since he had his uh, transformation. <laughs> um, one time I thought he was a pretty good actor, but through steroid use or other chemical enhancements, he completely changed his whole body and it completely changed his style of acting. So uh, I'm always put off when I see Mickey Rourke in a movie. Um, the um, They have a new um, wingman for uh, Tony Stark in this movie, uh, now played by uh, Don Cheadle. Uh, and that sort of put me off a little bit because I didn't understand why that had happened. Um that, I think, in many ways, really enhanced the entire series, having Don Cheadle uh, in as uh, Tony's wingman going forward. I, and uh, so I thought funny. It, he is so funny. And I thought it was an inherently stupid storyline. But <laughs> uh, having rewatched it for this podcast, actually, I think there's a lot uh, to be uh, commended for in this show. And... Um, there's a few setups for the rest of the uh, MCU. Uh, the general themes, I uh, I don't know if it's because I've watched it and I'm 10 years older, the second time or, or not, but I really saw a lot more uh, humanity in Tony Stark in this one because he's facing his own mortality. Now, many movies focus on people facing their own mortality and it's some sort of revelatory experience uh 
it's supposed to make you more of what you are. Unfortunately for Tony Stark, it's a, he's a jerk and he becomes more of a jerk. <laughs> and, uh, this is probably the jerkiest he is. Uh, and I think the MCU, although maybe when the first Avengers get together, um, he's pretty jerky towards Captain America. But, um, as, as I rewatched it, I realized that um, the jerkiness that comes out from him is really he thinks um, he's going to die. And uh, when I thought about that in terms of uh, the Avengers Endgame, where he really did uh, die, it actually had a little more poignancy for me. So, um, oh, I suppose we should give a little bit of the plot. Uh, so the Mickey Rourke character... His dad co-invented the armor suit with uh, Howard Stark, and he wants to have his father have credit for it. He's Russian, Anton, and uh, they have a couple of big fight scenes. I actually like the electric whips this time around. Um, at first, I, the first time I thought, cool. saw it, I also didn't like that. Uh, and, of course, um, uh, Tony uh, wins in the end. So what are some of the plot points that really st- – stuck out for you in this show, Megan? Kind of, kind of similar ones. Uh, I mean, like a, a, a trope in movies that I generally don't care for is um, like a jerk who at massive expense of time and resources and human life learns that other people have feelings. Like I, that's typically not very interesting. Uh, but um, I, I, I like the way they did it here. And I, I probably like it more again, because I've seen so much more of the MCU and know, Tony's long-term arc is really, really good. Um, but the, the theme I caught here was, was legacy a lot. You know, he was a jerk because he felt he had no inherent worth and nothing worth leaving behind. So he was going to die really having accomplished nothing and being nothing meaningful in his own life. But, you know, over the course of the film where he thinks about legacy, his father's legacy, which then saves his life, um, he, you know, internalizes that. And that's when he starts to win. That's when he, his relationship gets on track. So I thought, you know, that that idea of having inherent worth um, and making that making him a better person um, was was a really good one. Um, so I liked I liked it a lot overall. And I mean, I, it's not one of the stronger movies in the MCU, but I don't think every superhero movie has to be uh, a treatise on the value of human life or, or any major philosophical point. Sometimes it can be just a lot of cool fight scenes and explosions, and that's great. <laughs> so, um, you know, looking at it from that end, I, I there, enjoyed there it. There are those. <laughs> So in rewatching it, I even enjoyed kind of the first really big scene where he's Iron Man and he has the uh, Iron Manettes <laughs> dancing behind him. Uh, it reminded me of the first Captain America where he had to go on tour to sell war bonds. Uh, so I actually found some fun in that. And in the, the first viewing, I was really put off by uh, Comrade Romanoff, uh, Natasha Romanoff. Um <laughs> Played by, uh, yes. Uh, you you, but you this, know I'd watch this, her kicking butt uh, on a loop for twenty four hours. <laughs> I know, but when I rewatched it, within the knowledge I have of the context of the MCU, her first appearance really made a lot more mm-hmm. sense to me. And uh, I thought they used her a little bit too much in this movie as kind of uh, eye candy. I can use that somewhat delicate phrase. Um, and not as much later, although she's an incredibly gorgeous woman, 
which is always going to be eye candy. But I thought it was a little more pronounced in this movie. I wasn't as offended the second time around because I knew more of the story arc and I could see that uh, they had to introduce her somewhere and they did not, to their credit, I think, introduce her as a fully formed character. Mm -hmm. Uh, They allowed her to stretch and grow. So I had some more appreciation for that. Uh, I wrote down some of the cameos because they had some awesome cameos in this. (laughs) Of course, Stan Lee was in it. Yeah. But Elon Musk was in it. Larry Ellison was in it. Uh, Seth Green was in it. And Mm -hmm. John Favreau was in it. So uh, we had some very cool um, cameos. We had uh, some equally cool uh, cookies in there. Uh, There was one shot of uh, Wakanda when, Mm -hmm. for many of us knew what Wakanda was, at least in the movies. I was not aware of it from the comic books. I quit reading by the time the Black Panther appeared. So some very cool cookies and um, the cameos, what were some of the top cookies for you, Megan? Uh, well, one of the, the cameos I had, I thought, uh, I thought Elon Musk being in it was um, hilarious, and I'm sure completely unrelated uh, to the character of the entrepreneur who wishes he was a lot smarter than he was, but really built his empire and brand by stealing and promoting the work of other people in his ultimate pursuit of adulation rather than actual creativity or innovation. Uh, so I thought that was hilarious, <laughs> completely unrelated. Um, when they reintroduced um, uh, uh, War Machine, so Do- when Don Cheadle came in, I loved his first line, um, you know, talking to Tony, and it made sense within context, which is like, it's me, I'm here, deal with it. Okay, boom, recasting, no complaints about it. Got it, noted, moving on. Um, and I, I really liked um, the... <sighs> When Howard Stark was, well, when Tony was watching the video of his father and kind of starting to understand, like, oh, this is how I get the new element, this is how I save my life, um, that's when they really made him Walt Disney and trying to kind of convey that, that sense of uh, grandeur and seriousness and that sort of really great 40s, 50s uh, mentality. So I, I really liked the direct call out um, to making him Walt Disney. Um, those were some of my favorites. And of course, pretty much everything um, with Natasha Romanoff, um, who is one of my favorites, as you know. <laughs> Right. Um, the other thing that, that I sort of reevaluated in my second watching for this podcast was him making Pepper Potts the, uh, the CEO and, and president mm-hmm. of Stark uh, Industries. It's always been um, you. The first time I thought it, I saw it. Say it again. It's always been you. <laughs> Say that again. The line, uh, it's, it's always, always been, been you. you. Uh, yes. But I thought that was a kind of a sap move the first time around. But the second time around, I actually, once again, with the, with the hindsight of many more entries into the MCU, I saw that as a part of her arc mm-hmm. as well. And her, um, I guess you would have to call it professional growth, but she was essentially having that position or had that position as his executive assistant. And they almost swapped roles where he became her EA and she was the CEO. So uh, I thought that was, that was pretty cool upon the yeah. second watching. I had to, that was kind of. The, and the now way let's they get tre- to. Oh, go ahead. I was going to say the, the way they treated Pepper Potts um, in this movie, I, I was annoyed a little bit um, by it. Not because, you know, it was, uh, plainly she should have been made CEO of the company, um, but she spent most of the, most of the time that we saw her in the movie was she's just shrieking about superhero things happening. Uh, and, you know, panicking and freaking out. We didn't get to see a lot of her being the extremely competent, professional, brilliant person that she is. 
Um, I, I just I thought they kind of um, shorted her character a little bit on that because we saw more of her freaking out damsel in distress style than you know being a high powered CEO, <laughs> and, and I found that annoying. We're gonna have a quick word from our sponsor, and we'll be right back. So now let's get to the uh, the closing sequence uh, because once again, in retrospect, this may be my favorite closing sequence. Uh, and this is I'm referring here to the sequence after the credits or near the end of the credits that became a staple of the Marvel Cinematic mm-hmm. Universe. And I guess I have to just go full full disclosure here. What we see is Thor's hammer, and we hear Agent Phil Colson saying we've made a significant discovery. And ex- both of those are extraordinarily cool. Uh, obviously, the uh, preview of Thor and Thor's hammer uh, sent everyone a, a tither. But once again, um, having Agent Phil <laughs> as a part of this. And then, uh, of course, we in the subsequent years had the television show where they fleshed out agents of his role and the agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. a little bit. Uh, we had um, Captain Marvel... Uh, come out much later, but number two in the chronological order. So we had a little of his backstory as well. And of course, we see him throughout uh, the rest of the MCU um, as well. And so uh, you really see him, or I felt like uh, it was like almost an old friend um, because he's clearly not a star and he is a supporting role, but he's He's a supporting character that I, I really enjoy. So uh, I know, uh, well, what were your thoughts on seeing it and how excited were you? The first time I watched the movie, um, it, it made no real impact on me. Just, you know, not um, having a good understanding of what was coming next. Now having, again, seen everything, I really like the Asgard arcs, just just in general. Um, and the, the hammer becomes a real thread between characters, uh, which, which I think is really cool. And it, it demonstrates his character development and Captain America's captain development over character development over time. Uh, so I'm, I'm pretty excited to get into the Thor movies. So um, I guess to maybe, and it made me actually really hopeful that Thor would be next. <laughs> Funny that. But then we got incredible Hulk. So <laughs> well, we're, we're getting closer. We're getting closer. Um, you know, so I just want to mm-hmm. kind of circle back to where I started at uh, in this podcast, which is that uh, on, on re-watching this movie, I saw a lot more, uh, I thought, uh, to be enjoyed. I uh, obviously understood a lot more of the story arc. But uh, when I first watched it, I thought the action scenes were not really good, certainly not compared to the original Iron Man. But once again, kind of re-watching them, I saw... They, it wasn't that they weren't as good. They were just different. And I wasn't expecting that kind of different. And I mentioned the electric whips before, and those really put me off the first time. But the second time I saw them, it kind of made sense. And it kind of made sense for uh, Mickey Rourke's character. And Mickey Rourke, the style of acting he engages in now, and I don't know if he's just playing Mickey Rourke in every movie he's in, uh, but he grunts a lot. And he uh, and he has a deep deep, very deep voice now. And, um, 
So uh, a lot of uh, brooding, uh, which he does very well now because his facial muscles are so restricted. Um, but uh, I really appreciated his. I love a good brooding a bad good guy. Good brooding bad guy. Um, not Rufus Sewell quality, but yet a pretty good brooder. I'm a, I'm a big uh, Rufus Sewell fan <laughs> because I think he's the best brooder in modern cinema. Uh, but um, I think a lot to be uh, enjoyed in this movie. It does lead us further into the Marvel Cinematic Universe. We get Natasha Romanoff. Uh, we get uh, the new War Machine. We get uh, more. We start to get more backstory on Howard Stark, um, who is a continuing character throughout this. Uh, we begin to get a little bit more uh, sense of uh, the whole how the Avengers come together uh, as well. So I really thought I really enjoyed it much more the second time around, and I saw a lot more in it. Um, did did your vision or, or how you felt about it really change from your 2010 viewing to today, Megan? Well, I mean, um, my like 2018 viewing uh, for the first time, but yes, um, uh, I think I think that's one of my favorite things uh, about the MCU is that um, unlike a lot of movies, it gets richer the more you watch it and the more they add to the universe um, because there's so much built into it uh, and you really can get more on a second or third viewing, um, which, you know, I, I would have never thought you could just get from, you know, smash, smash superhero movies. Uh, but I, I really liked it. I loved the symmetry of this movie. You know, it was, uh, uh, things really came around it and, and Tony Stark became a character that you're, you're more comfortable rooting for, um, which is important for the next installations in the franchise. Um, but the way, you know, they, they opened things up, they opened ideas, they closed ideas. Um, I liked the balance in the movie, uh, you know, from uh, kissing Pepper at the end. Well, okay, now she's not left on the rooftop alone any longer. That's great. Uh, for him and War Machine working together, first they're fighting when he's drunk and they, they discover this technique of the Powerball. Uh, and they use that to save the day at the end. Like, I, I really liked how relationships and making good on them was one of the, the main keys of the movie. So I, I liked it a lot. We'll happily rewatch again. Well, very cool. So I'm Tom Fox. Thank you again for joining us. And I hope you will join us for our next episode of Popcorn and Compliance in the MCU. See you next time. This is Tom Fox again. Thank you for listening to this episode of Popcorn and Compliance, the MCU series where Megan Doherty and I are going through the entire MCU. I hope you will join us again next episode where we take a look at one of the interesting kind of add-ons to the MC universe, which is the original, which is the original Hulk, not produced by Marvel or Disney, but by Sony Studios and later brought back in to the Marvel Cinematic Universe where the Hulk joins the Avengers. So until next time, this is Tom Fox. Thanks again for listening. Popcorn and Compliance is a production of the Compliance Podcast Network. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.